Back to pass. He's going to roll out to his right. Throwing in the end zone for Arrington. Caught. Touchdown, Michigan. Takes the snap. Looking to throw the near side. Now he's going to go far. Over the middle. He's got a man. Caught. Touchdown, Michigan. Adrian Arrington wide open in the back of the end zone. Over the middle. And Michigan marches right down the field. No problem. They have the lead again. It's 37 to 35. Four wide receivers. T-bone and shotgun. Moore lined up to his right. He's going to throw. Thank you for listening to the Daily Sports Report on 88.3 FM Ann Arbor, where the puck drops here. Right Let's now. get lost tonight. You could be my black Kate Moss tonight. Play secretary on the ball tonight. And you don't give a f what they all say, right? Awesome, the Christian and Christian Dior. Damn, they don't make them like this anymore. I ask, cause I'm not sure. Do anybody make real anymore? Bow in the presence of greatness. Cause right now, that has forsaken us. You should be honored by my lateness. That I would even show up to this fake. So go ahead, go nuts, go ace. Especially in my pastel on my plate Act like you can't tell who made this new gospel Homie, take six and take this Hater Well, uh, good evening and uh, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show My name is Dick Whaley And I'm Jim Dwyer And we're back in the friendly confines of our production studio with Andrew at the helm. We love seeing him, and we got more space down here to do our job. Anyway, uh, lots of brain damage awards to give out this week. Let's start out with Brady Hoke. Uh, dude, <laughs> you better put a headset on or either get uh, that or uh, a buzzer or maybe a pager. But uh, leaving a quarterback in, this has now turned into a national story of sorts who might have suffered a concussion, who can is wobbling around on the field. Um, I don't know, dude. you got to make some changes in your own uh, style there. Uh, there's no excuse for a college athlete uh, who suffered a head injury to still be in a game, particularly when he's playing quarterback. <laughs> Crazy. Well, and this is... Uh major issue not just for this team or this program but sport as a whole yeah i mean the future of the very sport uh is really uh contingent upon this issue and how uh leagues and teams deal with it and of course football has been in the news so much uh, the last couple of weeks uh no need to comment about all of the weird domestic violence problems in the nfl but um <clears throat> It's bizarre, you know, the ratings are, they say, are at all-time highs. Of course, the, it helps to have uh, Congress investigating the antitrust aspect of the 
NFL. On a certain level, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And uh, the NFL, of course, is getting lots of publicity in all sorts of realms of uh, <laughs> news coverage. Uh, what's been interesting about football, by the way, in the last couple of years, I personally think football will still remain very popular for the next several years, but uh, parents are increasingly realizing that their children should not be playing football. Uh, there have been a number of outstanding documentaries on Frontline about the damage, uh, uh, the brain damage, literal brain damage that is caused not just by heavy hits with a concussion, but it's it's just practicing. low intensity hits of practice. It's just practicing. And, and when people are turning out with dementia in their 20s, uh, ordinary people, not 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 the star athletes, not the not the guys in the news, or the the glorified athletes, but uh, star athletes, uh, ordinary athletes that just participated in football to be part of the team, um, just played high school football, uh, and you wonder about this repeated head contact because you got to remember that the brain is surrounded by fluid. But the brain is moving at the velocity that you're moving at. And with football players faster and bigger than ever, these head hits are, are, are astonishing. And, of course, uh, they've already come out with studies showing that uh, a rather large percentage of NFL players have uh, permanent brain damage. Uh, I think it was one out of four um, after retiring. So I think it is wise, if you're a parent, to question... Um, the safety of football, uh, not only on your limbs, but on your body. And if you st start looking at some of the urban school districts <clears throat> where they're having a lot of budget problems, uh, football is very expensive. Uh, you know, I don't think it's gonna, ever going to go away. I think all the little towns in Ohio and Texas that yeah. rally around the high school football team and all yeah. that. High school football is on TV up north. Social event and all that. Uh, there, that that will continue. But Every I think week. as more and more people realize that basketball and uh, and soccer, and you know, interestingly, they're even looking at uh, brain problems with heading soccer balls. Well, youth soccer does not allow heading. Yeah. Uh, I think once you get to the high school level is when they begin. Uh, yep. Could be off by a year or so there, but they're, uh, we're ahead of the curve on that one with regard to the future of the sport and the bringing along of young players. Let's also give out a brain damage award to Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, today, he compared Hamas to ISIS. Uh, this is an offensive comparison. Uh, if anything, Hamas could be compared to Likud, uh, <laughs> you know, a conservative party that has its origins in militia-style guerrilla tactics. Yeah. I mean, that's the origins of the Likud party. Sure, and, and I mean, this comparison is offensive uh, to anybody uh, that objectively looks at the Middle East situation. Um, uh, you know, obviously with ISIS or ISIL, whatever you want to call them, uh, the interesting thing is that um, <clears throat> there does seem to be a growing global coalition against these uh, people. Airstrikes are continuing. Arab nations are even participating. So I think that the go-slow approach is working, and it's just fascinating to see the change in public opinion uh, over the last year. <clears throat> regarding uh, military action against uh, Syria, 
of course, originally the enemy was viewed as Assad. But uh, this past week, in a fascinating development, uh, the president of Syria, beleaguered as he is, essentially gave permission for the United States to uh, um, commence airstrikes in Syrian territory. And, of course, the refugee problem continues to uh, exacerbate itself. And, uh, <clears throat> obviously, the videos that ISIL has put out as part of their sort of bizarre propaganda operation... Media-savvy uh, Internet presence. ...have not worked. And, by the way, uh, sabers are not going to stop Tomahawk missiles. <laughs> Uh, we've launched a few uh, from the Red Sea at a $1.5 million a shot, but uh, I do think that Obama is going to remain firm on not putting American boots on the ground, and there are some rumblings that there may be some sort of uh, multilateral um, Muslim, and I emphasize the word Muslim, um, force of boots on the ground. Well, to the extent that it ever, you know, becomes a ground campaign, uh, certainly in Iraq, the story is trying to win back those who uh, deserted from the army with better pay. I don't know how effective that'll be. Uh, it seems like often when money is spent on these things, uh, whether it's an official state-sponsored project, although I'm sure that the U.S., is paying for a hefty chunk of what Iraq pays its soldiers. Um, this is we've seen this happen over and over again in Afghanistan. You pay local militias and uh, arm them, and then they sort of disappear. Yeah, and and people forget that the bribery. <laughs> a lot of that money gets spent in uh, backhanded ways. Well, bribery and just outright throwing around some cash uh, in the uh, so-called Sunni awakening as part of the Iraq War. Um, was a big factor in making that area of Iraq at the time quiescent. <clears throat> I do think that it's essential that the United States acknowledge uh, the fact that Iraq, as a, quote, nation state with the current borders, really can't exist. And, of course, it's interesting that ISIL at the moment seems to be going after Syrian Kurds uh, that are fleeing into Turkey. Turkey may at some point, get fed up with the refugee problem, and we should not uh, underestimate these problems. We're talking about 5 million estimated refugees that have scattered around the Middle East as a result of the Syrian civil war, 200,000 deaths. It's a mess. And part of this mess, quite frankly, was the invasion of Iraq by the United States. Uh, Saddam Hussein was the devil we knew. He was weakened. He was no threat to the United States. Um, it's important to realize that Saddam Hussein did not have an air force or navy. I don't know what you do with a navy on the Mesopotamia. But uh, <clears throat> he had no ability to project power against the United States. Meanwhile, Fox News is continuing the phony ISIS threat. Somewhere near the Rio Grande. ISIS may be forming a terrorist group to attack Americans. Well, last time I checked, a Uzi instructor, a gun instructor in Arizona, was in more of danger from a nine-year-old taking 
gun practice with oh, an right. Uzi at a firing range than uh, any of these ISIS, ISIL uh, <laughs> terrorist groups. Who knows? Well, as we've observed numerous times on this show down here, uh, guns owned by other Americans are uh, way more destructive to our safety and national security than ISIL will probably ever prove to be. Um, with regard to the debacle uh, and the refugee crisis that springs from this entire mess, uh, it, not just uh, W's completely uh, botched invasion of Iraq, but also a decades-long failure for the United States to either seriously question its allies or put appropriate uh, kinds of pressure on them. I'm thinking of Saudi Arabia and Israel particularly, but the, the Saudis have funded ISIL. Yeah. And now they help us fight ISIL. So how does that work? I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, the you know degree to which we're willing to turn the blind eye, oh, they're our son of a bitch in the old you know, uh, FDR term. Yeah, it's, describing uh, Somoza. <laughs> right. It's uh, it's absurd that uh, the scrutinizing eye is just not allowed to dwell on uh, the Saudis. Well, and it's yet another example of the blowback problem. And, of course, uh, you know, the critics of uh, the bombing campaign will talk about civilian casualties. Certainly there are going to be a few. But just in today's paper, I, I wanted to read this because this, this indicates the kind of chaos that's really going on globally. There was a strange column in yesterday's New York Times by Thomas Friedman about whether or not Tom, uh, Obama had it tougher than Ronald Reagan. You know, that this new world disorder of global conflict, regional conflict, separatist movements, uh, civil wars, etc., was a, a more difficult problem to deal with than the old Cold War uh, that's mentality. A question of, that's almost absurd on its face for a couple of reasons, but proceed. <laughs> well, the, the interesting claim, of course, was that the Soviets, as despicable as they were, ran a sort of bureaucratic authoritarianism, that there was some order in their part of the world, and... Uh, <clears throat> Well, the Middle East dictators were uh, <clears throat> generally in one camp or the other. Um, who can forget Henry Kissinger's support of the Kurds? And by the way, he's still on television giving advice. And the Shah. <laughs> oh, of course. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's got a new book out. Uh, go, Henry. He and Bill O'Reilly. Uh, but this is an example of the kind of nonsense that goes on almost daily in the Middle East. By the way, there there are 300,000 Pakistani troops, uh, quote, mopping up in the so-called tribal areas of Waziristan and north of Waziristan and the tribal areas of the Pashtun area, the so-called Durand line in the Pakistan-Afghanistan <clears throat> area. But I noticed this Reuters uh, report today. Just wanted to read it. <clears throat> it says, a suicide bomber linked to al-Qaeda... Uh, drove a, um, in some bad light here, D drove a uh, <clears throat> explosive-filled explosive bomb into a hospital. This is in Yemen. A uh, huge, by a Yemeni, she, it was a huge 
uh, Yemenite um, Shiite Muslims were were uh, uh, targeted in the Sunday. This killed at least 15 people. So this is Yemen. <laughs> Yet another area where there's uh, more mischief and more chaos, uh, quite evident. And of course, a suicide bomber attacking a hospital. That's just despicable. Well, that's not even, you know, it's, it's hard to say that that's demonstrative of even religious fundamentalism. It's just pure nihilism. Yeah. And nihilism may be what we're looking at. Uh, some other brain damage awards. Uh, it's interesting to note, and of course John Boehner was uh, on one of the talk shows yesterday uh, bringing up the issue of boots on the ground. <laughs> Obama's going to have to do it eventually, and we know that the Republican Party is covertly using this so-called security issue to convince Americans that we're in great danger. Um, Americans, of course, are opposed to boots on the ground. Fear, of course, their favorite emotion. Fear, their favorite emotion. Uh, this, of course, was used to justify the Cold War, a tremendous waste of money, and not even realistic uh, as a <laughs> fear factor. The infamous missile gap uh, turned out to be a 10-to-1 advantage of the United States. And, of course, it's always interesting to note that Ronald Reagan said, tear down this wall. Well, it was the Germans that put the wall up, <laughs> not the Soviets. Walter Ulbricht at the time was worried about the brain drain in Berlin. <laughs> now, whether he consulted the Soviets or not, we don't know, but we know that he put up the Berlin Wall, not the Soviets. Uh, Gorbachev, of course, was a willing partner uh, in negotiations with the United States, one of the big differences between this silly Reagan versus Obama uh, scenario that Thomas Friedman has outlined. Of course, he's been talking about world disorder for the last six or seven weeks, if you've been reading his column, and it's had some interesting things. Uh, so he's had some interesting observations about the so-called big picture. Well, I mean, the world has always been in disorder. <laughs> You know, I mean, quite frankly, uh, the degree to which Obama still has his grasp on reality, uh, the faculties of intellect and reason, I think, render the comparison absurd because Reagan wasn't even really in the game. I mean, he was he was prompted, told uh, they pawed through the entrails of goats uh, before meetings with uh, Gorbachev. Uh, Reagan was sort of going through the motions of an ossified state in late-stage capitalism with the collapse of the evil opposite other. So it was a pretty easy game for Reagan to play and come off looking good. Uh, well, and even the, let's look at the Ebola response, the uh, Obama administration a couple of weeks ago. Versus Reagan's response to AIDS. Versus Reagan's response to AIDS. Uh, anytime uh, Reagan supporters want to have that debate... Reagan denied its existence for several years, wouldn't even test the blood supply properly. Right. Uh, there's a quite a bit of evidence, by the way, that American blood uh, contaminated a lot of African countries because we were exporting blood and blood products back to Africa because we had the, <clears throat> shall we say, the sufficient medical facilities and equipment to do so. They don't 
have that equipment in many of these African countries, which is part of the problem with Ebola. But Obama has dispatched 3,000 American troops um, into the Ebola beleaguered region. And it is rather fascinating, in my opinion, that the first documented case of Ebola almost coincides with the first documented case of AIDS. Uh, Many question marks remain about both. But uh, John Boehner is well aware that, quote-unquote, security works well as a big issue for the Republicans in congressional elections. And it's interesting to note that there are several women running for the Senate, uh, Mary Landrieu running for re-election, but uh, uh, Ms. Grimes in Kentucky uh, is in a very tight race with uh, the groundhog Mitch McConnell, and Kay Hagan is in a very tight race in North Carolina. Sam Nunn's daughter is slightly ahead in Georgia. So there are a number of female candidates running oddly in the South. They're doing quite well in, in, in polls. And these races, of course, are too close to call, may break on late <laughs> events, as Harold McMillan would call them, uh, as to what's going to happen in the terms of the outcome of these races. So... Beware of the fear factor, but don't be surprised if you see it pretty much on a weekly basis from Republican office holders uh, appearing on Sunday talk shows because they want to emphasize they they have polling that shows that women do not do as well in uh, elections where security. And, of course, this was part of the hype uh, in the 2002 elections that... uh, Carl Rove orchestrated. Yeah. Bush's uh, brain, by the way. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, the man in the shadows. Bush is now a painter. W is a painter in uh, in Texas. In his twilight years. I probably started with the paint my numbers kit. But uh, it is interesting to see how uh, the, the big money men, the Koch brothers, are increasingly... Uh, toxic as an idea and image and the uh, increasing presence that they have in advertisements that are calling attention to that effect uh, to that fact so finally uh, at least these guys will have the reputation they deserve if uh, they can still buy everything they want global warming of course was a big subject last week at the UN and of course recently uh it was reported that global emissions of greenhouse gases rose about 2.3% in 2013. It's interesting to note in the United States, emissions rose 2.9% after declining in recent years. There has been some progress in the United States, and most of it is quite frankly due to the state of California with solar panels and the fact that we've reduced some of our dependence on coal. Uh, so there is occasionally good news. <laughs> so I wanted to report on this. U.S. admissions had uh, <clears throat> been declining in recent years because of the uh, increased uh, burning of natural gas, uh, basically replacing coal in some of these power plants. Uh, and I'm quoting from an, a uh, September 22nd article by Justin Gillis in the New York Times. Um 
But uh, we were talking last week about the necessity of the United States to uh, really enter into some bilateral negotiations with China over this issue. Um, Europe's uh, emissions of greenhouse gas have declined slightly as well, but not enough, and uh, more needs to be done. So the grandiose speeches sounded good, sounded like there's going to be more cooperation, but uh, what we need is more action. Well, indeed, uh, in the big picture, uh, the climate crisis is way more dangerous to us as a nation or the world in general than ISIL. And so when Republicans ratchet up the fear on uh, the idea of security and military spending, yet denounce the scary aspects of climate crisis as uh, simply a fear campaign was just about as ridiculous as you could get. Uh, action, not uh, not deed, uh, not talk. And yes, Miami Beach, by the way, usually gets about two to three inches of salt water in their streets now when there's high tide. <laughs> so that's one city that's certainly threatened directly by uh, rising sea levels. Um, perhaps a brief comment about Eric Holder, who announced his resignation. Uh, it's interesting that he stated. I will resign once my successor has been confirmed. <laughs> a process that could take well, the rest of the Obama uh, administration. It could, and that's one of the interesting footnotes to this. Uh, Holder, I think, has a definite mixed legacy, as they put it. I'm somewhat, well, I'm very critical of his uh, going after the media, uh, going after journalists with their sources and whatnot based on so-called national security. Um, that, I think, is one of his great uh, blunders. But I did want to comment a little bit on this, one of the other areas where he's been criticized, and I think a little unfairly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he hasn't prosecuted any individuals, but he has, uh, I read in the Columbia Journalism Review, gotten 57 out of 58 guilty pleas. Uh, these large financial institutions have paid large fines um, out of court. So while there's been no individuals that have been hauled before the uh, <clears throat> hanging judge, um, there have been there has been quite a lot of money actually collected by the U.S. Treasury regarding the financial crisis. And of course, this past week we saw an absolutely outrageous lawsuit filed by AIG. Uh, the United States government had to bail out AIG back in 2008 because they held insurance on the banks, credit default swaps. And uh, the initial crisis didn't really reveal this. Uh, they are suing the government to try and get back money that they claim they lost. They wouldn't even be in business if the government didn't bail them out because they were exposed to $180 billion worth of these credit default swaps, r roughly. And it just pinpoints the problem of prosecuting rich people with deep pockets. Or the treating of corporations as people. Well, that and, and the, the information in court is, is very confusing. It's... You know, financial analysts couldn't even serve yeah. on, on juries in a lot of these cases. So out-of-court settlements are not the end of the world. And 
while there's certainly got to be instances of culpability involving fraud and individuals that may have broken certain laws, I think that it overstates the case that Holder was in a position to do a lot of prosecuting. Uh, these are complicated, expensive cases to pursue, uh, and I think he just took the realistic approach. And while we can criticize him on this score of not prosecuting individuals, kind of unlike the savings and loan scandal, which had a lot of analogies to the banking crisis of 2007-2008, I don't think anybody really had a grasp of how complex this whole situation really was. Because let's remember that AIG's problems popped up uh, several days after they had already allowed Lehman Brothers to go bankrupt, and they were already negotiating a TARP. Remember that when they had the TARP vote in September of 2008, it was by and large the Republicans who voted for all the deregulation that voted against the TARP. <laughs> and, of course, that was the Troubled Asset Relief Program that involved quite a lot of complicated, large, multinational institutions. So financial stability as an objective of government regulation or government oversight is a legitimate reason to sometimes not pursue these cases. So I'm going to defend Holder a little bit on that. I think that he's done a much better job with things like civil rights, criminal, you know, changing the sentencing laws and bringing up some of the issues um, that he has. To his credit, for instance, he was a surrogate for Obama in the recent uh, Missouri problems. And uh, Holder's legacy, he's a bureaucrat. He's a, he's a, you know, people forget that he was the number two in the Clinton administration. He's a kind of a mainstream guy who's not going to rock the boat. And he's going to follow orders. And he's going to be a stalking horse for Obama on some of these issues involving race. Because let's face it, Obama for obvious reasons, doesn't want to talk too much about these issues involving race because of the obvious uh, racist aspects, for instance, of the Tea Party and some of their groups. Not all of them are racist, but some are and some were. Indeed. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and Yazoo City Calling will be uh, beginning sometime in the very near future. On this lovely late September evening here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah, by the way, if you didn't get out today, today might be one of the last 80-degree days for quite some time. <clears throat> Still warm out there. It's lovely, yep. Well, uh, on the subject, I guess, of uh, getting out and walking around, I'll throw one more brain damage award out in the uh, as we go a little over here. Uh, I have noticed in my walking, biking, and driving around town an increase in the number of cars that take that late yellow just after it's turned red. <laughs> uh, and the extent to which uh, people seem to bend one of the most basic and common, simple and obvious laws of the land uh, just boggles my mind. Uh, you can't go through a red light, people. You just can't. And by the way, I train cab drivers and point out, even when you have a green, look both ways because of that very problem. Absolutely. 
So it uh, looks like Jerry Mack is in the house and will be uh, up and running with Yazoo City calling momentarily. Thanks again to Andrew for engineering. And one just humorous item from the recent Harper's Index. This caught my eye just because it's so bizarre.